You're prepping your store for opening for the day, and out of the corner of your eye, you see someone setting up shop across the street. You think to yourself, oh good, there's another business opening in the area, and that's always a good thing. But then they put their sign up, and you realize you have a new direct competitor. So what's the next move? Do you get upset? Hell no. That is not how we roll, Startup Nation. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. Today, we're going to talk about how to beat the competition. So in the first segment, we're going to talk about some ways to improve your business through competition. Believe it or not, Startup Nation, competition is a good thing and you don't want to shy away from it. We're going to talk about that. Next thing we're going to do is that we're going to add a major tool in your arsenal that the big boys or the big companies use, and that's a SWOT analysis. We'll dive into that. When we come back from break, we'll talk about things you can do to research your competition. You want to see what kind of sales they have, what kind of team that they have, and also what kind of process that they have. So we're going to dive into that. And then lastly, Startup Nation, we're going to talk about some ways to pull ahead of your competition. So Startup Nation, I hope you're ready to receive great value today and let's take flight. So Startup Nation, when we talk about competition in our industry and in our business, a lot of people want to avoid it. A lot of people want to shy away from it. A lot of times people try to start businesses where they assume that there's not a lot of competition because they feel like they're just they're the only one meeting some unmet need. And then you start to find out like when you buy a new car, you get that car and then everybody has that car. It's the same way with starting a business. Once you dive into your industry and your marketplace, you start to realize you're not the only one there. And there's other people who've had your idea as well. So we're going to talk about reasons why competition itself is actually a good thing and you shouldn't shy away from it. The number one reason why competition is a good thing because it forces you to not be complacent. The thing is competition spurs innovation. Competition spurs you know, a great customer service for your customer and for your customer base. And so when you're the only king of the hill, if you will, you find yourself being a little lazy. You find yourself not really thinking about the customer. You find yourself, let's just be honest, price gouging from time to time. And so you really need somebody there to kind of push your innovation, to push your prices to be fair and balanced, if you will. Because, you know, Look, you have Coke and you have Pepsi and you have Snapple and you have all these other soft drink companies, right? There's enough, first of all, there's enough money for all of them to eat, clearly, right? They're all billion dollar companies. But at the same time, Coke needs Pepsi, you know, in order to move them 
for on an innovation scale and vice versa. Remember how when it was Coke who came out with the drink mixture machines that you see now where you have like strawberry Sprite and grape Sprite or whatever. And then Pepsi came right behind them because they feel like, oh, you know, clearly Coke has something going is proven to be successful. We need to have one, too. And so now Pepsi has one. And I wouldn't be surprised you know, I haven't seen one, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's another company. Like maybe Snapple has one out there as well. So when you have that competition, it forces you to to be in a mode of always staying hungry. We always talk about, you know, people out here, you know, talking about team no sleep and staying hungry and staying grinding or whatever the case may be. Competition keeps you doing that because you don't want to be the fat cat. And then all of a sudden you start getting lazy and then people are going to leave you. And they're going to go on to they will actually go on to somebody else or to something else that will fill that void that they need. So when we talk about competition, do not shy away from a startup nation because lack of competition only fuels complacency. Another thing, startup nation, when it comes to competition and why it's a good thing is that it allows you to be the brand or industry leader. Because, look, if you're the only person in that space, like, I mean, you could call yourself a leader, but it's not really it's not authentic or organic. Right. Because, like, you're the only one there. It's like a, a politician who runs unopposed. Like, yeah, you did win. But like that wins kind of has like an asterisk on it. Right. So when you have competition, it's actually an opportunity for you to be you know, the the leader in that marketplace, to be the leader in that uh, in that space. Because think about it. Wouldn't you rather be the leader of something than the only person being there? I, at least I would rather be the leader. And so the thing is, when you're the leader, you know, you set the tone for the entire industry. You set the tone for how, you know, things are flooded into the marketplace based on your industry. Think about it. You get to call the shots. It's almost kind of like how you may not know this. We know this because we're an education company. But a lot of times, like the textbooks that go out in, in the United States, you know, the decisions are made in Texas. Like if Texas says we're going to have this textbook, then the rest of the country get those textbooks. Why? Because of the massive population of students in the state of Texas. Your big time textbook companies go through Texas in order to make those decisions. And so seeing that they don't want to make this textbook for one set of textbooks for Mississippi, one set of textbooks for Louisiana, one set of textbooks for Tennessee, they just go to Texas. Texas say, hey, this is the book we want. And so those companies usually just sell that book for the most part, to the rest of the country. And so that's because in that regard, Texas is seen as the market leader. So you get to call the shots. So be mindful of that startup nation. Don't shy away from competition because competition is an opportunity for you to be proven as the leader. And everybody's going to look to your expertise and everybody's going to, you know, be able to say, hey, I'm going to go with them because they're the brand leader. I'm going to go with them because they're the industry leader. Right. So when you're 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 basically building brand clout and believe it or not, people will buy your product or service just mainly because if basically because of the prestige of you being the market leader. So you can only be a market leader if there's competition, Startup Nation. Another reason why competition is good is because it forces you to be self-aware. It forces you to think about your strengths and weaknesses. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in detail, Startup Nation, as we talk about SWOT analysis. But for right now, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, we say in Judaism uh, when we wear a kippah, or at least my rabbi told me, is that when you uh, wear your kippah or you know a yarmulke is you know what you're probably accustomed to hearing what it's called. 
But when you put that on your head, it's an external action that brings about internal awareness. And it, it works the same here. When you, you know, you're diving and competing against the marketplace, it's this external action that brings about internal awareness. So it lets you know where you stand. It lets you know what you're about. It reminds you of your mission and vision statement. It reminds you of your goals in your business. So like I said, competition is a good thing in this regard as well. Also, when we talk about competition, it encourages what we talked about earlier about innovation. It encourages differentiation. It allows you to set yourself apart from the industry, right? Like the thing is, if you're the only person in the industry, what are you setting yourself apart from? If I'm the only person selling water, how the hell do I set myself apart? Now, if I say I'm like, you know, smart water and I have electrolytes in my water, that's setting myself apart from the competition. If I say that, hey, I'm selling Dasani and my my water comes from the mountaintops of Utah or some whatever, some ridiculous like that, which is not true. But uh, but it's one of those things where it allows me to differentiate myself from the competition. Can't differentiate yourself from the competition if there's no competition, Startup Nation. So be mindful of that. Competition encourages differentiation and it, and it forces you to try to differentiate yourself in order to be a player in the marketplace, but to more importantly, carve out your niche in the marketplace. Also, Startup Nation, when we talk about competition and why it's a good thing, it, it also lays the groundwork for professional development, mutual learning. Look, it, it, you know, business is kind of war in the sense of like gathering intel. And that's what this is. You know, when you see your competition and you see like the type of sales that they put in place or the type of people that they hire or the type of, you know, customer service that they get out. Right. It forces you to kind of rethink your process, your customer service, the people you hire, how you look at data, the whole nine yards. So you know, before you say, isn't that still in Startup Nation? First of all, no, it's not. Second of all, you need to think about the acronym OPM, not other people's money, but other people's methods. People steal other people's methods all the time or whatever, right? So competition allows you to figure out what you may be doing right or wrong and why that competitor in the marketplace is winning on customer service, why they're winning on, uh, you know, price point, why they're winning on uh, having low cost of goods, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, your job is to make money and you need to do those things and more in order to make money. So mutual learning, just tie it in with professional development if it makes you feel better, uh, Startup Nation. Also, when you think about your competition, it forces you to think long term. You want to think about five years, 10 years. Well, let's let's go back one year, three years, five years, seven years, 10 years down the line your competition forces you to do that because the thing is you or your competition may have a product or service you know is, is popping right now but may not stand the test of time for example let's say you're selling i don't know dvd players right and your competition is selling i don't know they're a streaming service or something where they like you know like itunes or netflix or something like that right so if you're selling DVD players and you're going up against them, you see where the market is trending towards. Who's going to be in a world of hurt pretty soon? Probably you with selling the DVD players. So when we think about our competition, let them, you know, help guide you inadvertently and indirectly, of course, unbeknownst to them. Uh, let them help you plan for the long term. Let them help you figure out if what you're doing 
is okay for right, right now and not be okay long term or if what you're doing right now is the beginning of something great that you can sell not just now but long term and sometimes startup nation you can be a, ahead of the curve and, and and that's okay sometimes you can put something out there way too early okay like for for starters to kind of give you an example of what i'm talking about uh for starters you know there's a lot of people out there who say hey man like i'm going to invest in marijuana stocks right which is fine. If you want to invest in marijuana stocks, now that's fine. Now, granted, let me, okay. Startup Nation, I am not a certified financial planner. I am not telling you to, to, to uh, invest in marijuana stocks or, or any other stocks for that matter. I need to put that disclosure out there. But what I am saying is that there are a lot of people who say I want to invest in marijuana stocks, right? And so I'm like, look, if you want to invest in marijuana stocks, that's fine. But for me, I think it's a little bit too early because you still have True enough, you got California and Colorado and places on the East Coast and maybe a few sprinkled in down south where it's okay for you to use it medicinally or recreationally, but there's still a federal ban in the United States. So it's like that that's probably not a good look. It's probably you're probably too early in the game. And sometimes in business you can do that. Sometimes in, in business we can have a product or service where, you know, it's not received well only because it's not ready yet. It's not time yet. And that's okay. So when you have competition, if they for your competition forces you to think about these sort of things, right? And lastly, Startup Nation, before we move on to the next segment, your competition will force you to think about prioritizing your customers' needs, okay? Your customers' wants, okay? So for starters, like my brother-in-law earlier today, he went to this uh, this chicken place or whatever right and so he had uh the chicken wing place has like tvs or whatever the case may be inside of it and so the lady said hey do you want to change the tv watch the game is there like cool so he, she hands him the remote and then the owner comes out of the back snatches the remote and says i don't want customers touching my remote or, or or having anything to do with my tvs and i'm like wait a minute um your tvs are not for you Mr. Owner of the chicken place. The TVs are for the customers. It's supposed to be an ambiance for your customer to create a great customer experience. And so when you think of a chicken wing place, like that finger food type feeling, most people, when you, you eat chicken wings or whatever, you associate it with a lot of times with watching sports. And so it's a Saturday. There's probably a lot of college football, not college football, college basketball on, getting ready for March Madness. And so when you tell your customer that I don't want you dealing with the TV, like that's a bad look. Right. Because if you go to Applebee's, if you go to TGI Fridays, you go to Old Charlie's, a place like that and you sit at the bar, they don't mind handing you the remote to watch something, you know, on TV if nobody else doesn't mind. Right. So that's just a bad look. But when like clearly that person and the thing is where his chicken wing place is, there's not another chicken wing place in that area. So he has no competition to force him to think about what he just did. Right. He has no competition to force him to think about the customer's needs or wants for that matter, because, you know, it's not like you don't go. You don't go in there to watch TV. You go in there for a great chicken. Right. And so when you lack that competition, you get interactions from owners like that. And that's a terrible look. Like I said, the TV is there for the customer experience, for the customer ambiance. It's not for you, Mr. Owner. You're supposed to be back there scaling the business, making more chicken, ringing up more transaction or whatever. It's not for you to be policing your TV, but 
That's neither here nor there, Startup Nation. One of the big things that the big Fortune 500 companies do, or just any other big business or whatever, or small, smart, small business owner, is that they do this thing called a SWOT analysis. That's S-W-O-T, analysis, okay? And S-W-O-T stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, okay? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so you use this thing you know, to kind of figure out what are you doing well on the inside of the business and what's going on outside of the business. So let's talk about a little bit about that, Startup Nation. And honestly, this is a great thing to have for a brand new business to have in your business plan, Startup Nation, because this is one of those things that an investor or a bank, a lending op, uh, institution is going to look at to see if you've been thinking about the business. Once again, a business plan forces you to think about the business and it lets the investor know if you're looking for capital, if you've thought about the business. So having something like a SWOT analysis in the business plan can be very beneficial. But it's also very beneficial for an existing business. If you've been in business for a couple of years, a SWOT analysis can be like that tune-up that you get on your car every once in a while to kind of like reaffirm, recalibrate, or, you know, uh, the business, if you will, to see if any new strengths have come up, if any new weaknesses have come up, if any new opportunities or threats have come up. And so when we talk about a SWOT analysis, you, you need to understand that it's kind of broken in half almost. Let me explain. So the S and the W are for internal things. They're for everything that's inside the business, Strength and, strengths and weaknesses. That's for inside the business. The opportunities and threats relate to everything that's external. So everything that's outside of the business. Uh, uh, opportunity could be, is there a new niche that we can fill in the marketplace? A threat could be, obviously, what we're talking about in this episode, competition. Or maybe there's some uh, governmental regulations out there that could be a threat to the business. Or governmental regulation that could be an opportunity for the business. You just never know. So let's dive into the SWOT analysis just a little bit. So when we talk about the strengths there, like I said, the internal positive factors. They describe attributes, tangible or intangible, internal to your organization. And so some of the things that you should ask yourself when you're doing the strengths strengths portion of your SWOT analysis is, is what do I do well? You know, you know, are you great at customer service? Are your numbers on par? Right? So those are some of the things you want to ask yourself. Also, what internal resources do I have? Think about the following positive attributes of your people, such as the knowledge, background. Are you very credible? That's a, one of those big things, Startup Nation, that customers will want to see. Are you credible? Are you knowledgeable about your industry? Not just your business, but about your industry. And maybe even a little bit about things that are outside of your industry, but definitely connected to your industry. Okay. Um, you want to think about background, education, credentials, network, reputation, and skills, things of that nature. Tangible assets could be such as, you know, what's, what's our what's our capital looking like? What's our credit looking like? Do we need to get more credit? Our existing customer base, our distribution channels. Do we have any patents or anything, any copyrighted material, any proprietary material? I know here at OWLS, we create curriculum, so everything that we create is proprietary to us. And so, and then you want to think about what advantages you have over the competition. Do you do customer service well? Is your placement in the in the business well right so what if i'm i'm what i'm saying is is like um let's say you own a chicken shack 
or, or, or chicken place, like, like I gave in the, in the previous example. And I always tell people, look, for a place like a chicken place or a cupcake place or whatever the case may be, if you can, try to get a space next to a grocery store because why? Everybody goes to the grocery store, right? So when they go to the grocery store, they're going to see, hey, I need to go check out Dom's, chink, uh, Dom's uh, chicken wings and things or whatever, right? Because it's right next to the grocery store. They may not go that day, but they're always going to see that every single time they go to the grocery store. So you're, you're, you're feeding off that grocery store's high traf traffic volume to uh, to your advantage. Now, based on that, the example I gave earlier, like I said, he's kind of like in that space by in that area by himself and there's not a grocery store. So maybe that's an advantage for us at Dom's Wings and things that he doesn't have. Right. So those are one of the things when I say about placement, maybe that's an advantage us that that person or your competition may not have. Also, you want to ask yourself, do you have strong research development capabilities? Are you do you do you have any manufacturing facilities? Those are great attributes to have the development capabilities that are you able to research what's in the marketplace or research new things or new innovations and bring it into your business? And do you have the ability to kind of develop those things? Also, the manufacturing facilities, and I'm just giving you examples, Startup Nation, your strengths can be a number of things. It's one of those things that you have to be, that you not only have to ask yourself, but be honest with yourself as well. Let's say uh, Dom's Wings and Things has a are, you know, we're trying to get in the grocery stores, crazy enough, like because I just used that that example. We're trying to get in the grocery stores. And so we need a may. And so we actually have a manufacturing facility produce, you know, maybe 40 wings in a box to put it on the grocery store shelves. Right. That's an advantage us, because the thing is, when you have a manufacturing facility, we can use the economies of scale model, which means that every single chink of wing that you make and when you make them in large quantities, the more you make, the cheaper each chicken wing is, which means the higher profit margin that you can have on those box of chicken wings. All right. So just, just one of those things that, to think about. Some other positive aspects that could be internal to your business about the value that you offer or your competitive advantage. And so those are just some of the things you want to ask yourself when you're trying to assess your strengths in the S part of a SWOT analysis. Now, there's also thing on the, the internal part is the weakness part, right? So some of the questions you want to ask yourself there are what factors are you are within your control that detract from your ability to obtain or maintain your competitive edge? Like what barriers are there? Do you have some people on your team that give customer that give crappy customer service? Do you have some people on your team that you think may be stealing from you? Cause that's a bad look. That that's a problem. That's a weakness, right? You're losing inventory because somebody is is on that thievery tip, right? Also, what areas that need to be improved? Do we need to improve our process? Do we need to improve our you know our the way that we talk to our customers? Do we need to improve what our numbers look like? Maybe we need to do our numbers. Maybe we need to do that quarterly earning sheet. You know, balance sheet, income statement sheet, profit loss. You know, same. That's the same thing. Uh, profit loss sheet. You know things. You know, things of that nature. Maybe we need to do these things on a regular basis, right? Also, you know, once again, who's your biggest competitor? That could be a weakness, right? If you don't, if you don't know who your competition is, that's a weakness. That's definitely a weakness. So you need to find out who that is as well. Other things you may want to ask: What does your business lack? Do you do you lack the manufacturing facility in order to take your business to the next step? Do you lack the proper? Do you lack the proper? Uh, channels to scale your business. Like maybe we need some big ticket customers as opposed to just a lot of 
big nickel and dime customers, right? So those are some of the things you need to ask yourself. Does your business have limited resources? That's also a problem. That can be a weakness as well. Because, you know, you're trying to get, you're trying to scale, get to that next level. But, you know, maybe we don't have the capital. Maybe we don't have the exposure. Maybe we don't have a large enough network in order to pull that off. These are some of the things you want to ask yourself when you're trying to beat the competition. And then last but not least, are you in a poor location? We just talked about this, right? Maybe you're the one in the place all by himself and your competition is right next to the grocery store. Like that's a problem. So those are some of the things you want to think about when you're talking about the W part, the weakness of the SWOT analysis. The next thing, the O, opportunities, right? What are some opportunities that we can kind of gauge, engage in to get to that next step that in order to take our business to the next level? Some of the questions you want to ask yourself, what opportunities exist in your market or environment that can be, that you can benefit from, right? Is there the perception, is the perception of your business a positive one, right? Because the thing is to, to many people, perception is reality. And that that's just the thing. It, it, it is what it is. So, if you have a yogurt shop, right, and you post it, you know, uh, post a, <laughs> you know, uh, this is outrageous, but it is what it is. I'm, I'm going on the extreme to prove a point, Star Automation. Let's say you have a yogurt shop and you're trying to sell your new brand new chocolate, you know, yogurt swirl or whatever. I don't know. And so you, you have this Instagram posts or whatever and you say it's so good a dog likes it even though i'm not i'm not big into dogs i feel like dogs shouldn't eat sweets if i'm not mistaken but let's say it's so good your dog likes it and so a lot of times keep in mind it's chocolate yogurt so you know or chocolate frozen yogurt or whatever the case may be right if you have a dog next to your swirly chocolate yogurt your, your customer's going to think about poop and the last thing you want your customer to think about when it comes to chocolate, like to to uh, frozen yogurt, is poop. That's a problem, right? So you want to think about your perception of your business and your products and services that you're putting out there. That's one of those things you have to be mindful about. Another question you want to ask when it comes to opportunities: Has there been a recent market growth or change that have you know, or have there been other changes to the market to create an opportunity? Like I said, maybe there's a new government regulation that allows you to enter a new market, or maybe there's a new government deregulation that allows you to enter a market or get out of a market to get it in somewhere else. So those some of the things that we try to express to people, not just on the startup life, but in ours as well. Everything is connected. You need to pay attention to everything around you as much as humanly possible, right? Like don't, don't, you know, go and try to like create a product for every single industry. What I'm saying is you need to be very socially aware. You need to be very, you know, you know, in tune with things that are going on around you. For example, so this weekend, uh, the new Black Panther movie came out, right? And so my sister-in-law was down, you know, and, and if you've been following the, you know, the the movie critics and the hype for the movies, and you you know, it's been it's been huge, it's been massive, right? And so my sister-in-law uh, was in Dallas, or no, she was in Austin, Texas, right? And so a lot of you know people who want to go to see the movie, they want to dress up in like the African finery and like cloths and stuff like this, or whatever, right? In Austin, Texas, at a store called Joann's, if you're familiar with Joann's, they sell cloths and this, that, and the other. All the African print stuff like that is at the front of the store. 
So that way you ain't got to go look for it is right then and there because that that store manager knew what was going on. And side note for my for my nine to five startup nation listeners, if you're a store manager, bet you're basically running a business. You're running for somebody else, but you're basically running a business. You should treat it as such. So you're an entrepreneur as well. But anyway, that store manager had the wherewithal and the mindset like, you know what? These people are going to be looking for these cloths, these kinta cloths, like African print, this, that, and the other. We need to put all that stuff at the front of the store so it can be easy and accessible for everybody to buy it. And the thing is, the sooner you get them in there to buy it and get them out, that's a good thing, right? Because you want that that door to be ever revolving, right? Now, granted, you want them to get them some buy some more stuff, right? You want to add some more things, you know, to that transaction, try to get that transaction average up as po- you know as high as possible. But to have those African prints in the front. That's a good thing, right? Because it, it, it lets you know that that store manager was in tune with what was going on and that we need to get our sales up. That's a good way to do that. However, here in DeSoto County in Mississippi, where I am now, you know, just south of Memphis, Tennessee, I mean, like just south, like stone's throw. But anyway, I, I digress. Anyway, you go into Joanne's there, there's 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 nothing there's there's you have to ask for it. And even when you ask for it, it's not much. Right now, that store manager in Austin, I don't know if they they asked for extra inventory because they knew it was going to be a big deal. But at the same time, like she had the wherewithal to know, like, okay, we need to take advantage of this moment. True enough, it's it's temporary, but we need to take advantage of it. And that's fine. Right. When you do that, it's no different like Christmas season or any other season. Right. You're taking advantage of that season. Right. So be mindful of that. Be mindful of things that change in the marketplace that are, you know, like I said, be mindful of things that change in the marketplace. Also be mindful of things that necessarily are not necessarily out, you know, that are kind of outside of your industry, but are connected to your industry as well. Another thing you want to ask yourself when you're looking for opportunities, is the opportunity ongoing or is it just a window for it? Like I just said, like for this particular instance, it was a window for it, right? You know, in other words, how critical is your timing? Timing is everything based on that example, right? You got to get the timing right because you want to make sure you have all those prints in place. And sure enough, most people are going to do it like the weekend before or the week of, as the case may be. That's fine. But it seems like that store manager had the wherewithal to do it up front to make sure there was no hassle. There was no confusion. Everything you needed to get ready for that Black Panther fit was in the front of the store. And the last thing in the SWOT analysis that you want to think about are threats. What are some of the things you want to ask yourself when it comes to threats? First things first, who are your existing and potential competition? Okay, because granted, you need to have vision. I know we talk about having vision in a business and the other. You you not only need to have vision with your business, you need to have vision in your competition as well. Because otherwise, you know, if you've seen the uh, the straight out of Compton NWA video when MC Yellow was like, he don't have no vision. That's why I'm a, you know, whatever with his lady. If you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. And so that's what's going to happen to you. If you don't have the vision to understand that there's potential, not just the existing competition, but there's potential competition on the border or on the horizon, you're going to get screwed. You're going to get screwed in the sense of like your customer base is going to forget about you because they're going to go with the new hot and popping thing. And you need to prepare to have that because you have that actual intelligence beforehand. You need to be mindful of that thought of nation, not just the existing competition, but the potential competition as well. Also, what are factors beyond your control that you can place your business at risk, right? Grant, let's say you sell cupcakes, okay? 
And for some reason, all of a sudden, eggs are illegal in the United States. You need eggs to make cupcakes, don't you? So those, not, isn't it? Startup Nation and some of my newer Startup Nation listeners, from time to time, I use extremes to make a point easy and uh, available to understand. So that way I kind of get my point across. So that's what that would. Don't think eggs are going to be outlawed pretty here soon, but you get the point I was trying to make. Anyway, uh, another question you want to ask, are there challenges created by an unfavorable trend or development that may lead to deteriorating revenues or profits? You want to think about that as well. The thing is, like, the market can change on a dime. Regulation from governments can change on a dime. You know, there, there could be things that, you know, happen in pop culture that can change on a dime as well. And it could affect your business. You need to think about those things. Also, what situations might threaten your marketing efforts, right? You know, maybe you were able to put up your flyers and brochures in, inside of your Kroger and your Walmarts. And all of a sudden they get a new manager or, or whatever the case may be, like, nah, we ain't doing that no more. You can't put up your, your marketing stuff in there. Like, we not doing that no more. That's a change of situation. And so when you get that walk-in traffic from a Kroger and a Walmart, and that and you know, and you've been getting a lot of business from that, and that's gone, now what? That's a threat. You need to think about that. You know, has there been significant, you know, has there been a significant change in supplier prices and the availability of raw materials? Look. There a lot most raw materials can be quite finite in the sense of like there they can they can disappear. Like I know we have like this dependence on oil or whatever case may be here in the United States, but that's a finite resource. Now, granted, there's a ton of it right now, but it's a finite resource. And that's why you're starting to see hybrids and Teslas and battery operated cars on the mark in the marketplace now. Because of that very reason. And, you know, and, I'll, and ironically enough, you're going to see gas prices go down as more and more cars flood the market in that regards. But that's another episode for another day startup nation. You know, also, what about shifts in consumer behavior, the economy, government regulations? We talked about that. Could that reduce your sales? They absolutely can. Now, I talked about the governmental regulations enough, but let's talk about maybe some consumer behavior, right? Like maybe, maybe, you know, you've been selling these great tasting cupcakes, right? And, and you know what? This isn't far-fetched. Maybe you've been making great tasting cupcakes, right? And you use lard and sugar. And you lose all the good stuff, right? But now as you understand, now people on this, like millennials, right? They're a little bit more aware about what they put in their bodies. And so they want vegan cupcakes and all natural cupcakes and uh, what, I don't know, grain source, soy bean, whatever cupcakes whatever right i'm joking for all my vegans out there where or who have that type of dietary uh demand of nation but you get my point right it's well about all natural all organic you know grain fed soybean what you know vegan uh gluten-free whatever the case may be not making fun just saying that's kind of where we are now right and so those cupcake places that adhere to that due to that consumer behavior change are going to make out well is it is it only for right now? Is it temporary? We don't know. Right. But it's one of those things where, you know, the beauty of being a small business is that you can shift very fast. If you like you're a big cupcake person, it would take you very long to shift all those things because you've been doing everything on a very large scale for so long. But if you're a small business, you can make that shift pretty quickly. 
And last but not least, before we go to break, has a new product or technology been introduced that makes your product's equipment or services obsolete? One of the big things that are out there right now when it comes to tech or making a product obsolete are streaming services. I tell people now that the big three in TV is no longer ABC, NBC, and ABC. It's now Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix, right? And so like the streaming services, they're not only attacking those big three, they're attacking other large industries. For example, you know, there's been recent cut, you know, layoffs at ESPN because most people are getting their, their, you know, their their sports facts from online or their sports stats from online. They're streaming games. They're streaming highlights. They're streaming little tidbits. You know, whole segments of you know, like your first takes and your uh, the other one on Fox. I can't even think of with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Like they're they're getting just the excerpts that they want to hear. They don't want to see the whole show, right? And so that streaming availability is not only targeting profits of those businesses, but they're starting to like get to the point where like they have to lay people off, right? Now that's giving rise to those people getting laid off and doing their own thing because things like podcasting and live streaming and this, that, and the other have very low barriers of entry, right? But that technology has 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 changed consumer behavior, like we mentioned before. And that's one of those things where when you're doing a SWOT analysis and you're thinking about threats, that's one of those things you want to think about. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I hope you're getting great value on how to beat your competition. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Our teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with our section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so we talked about why competition is good for the entrepreneur and the business owner. Then we talked about a SWOT analysis. So now let's talk about some of the ways that you can research the competition to kind of get an idea of what they kind of doing, right? So the one thing that you can do is you can do a Google search, but we need to do a little bit more than just a Google search. So there's other great avenues that you can kind of complement with the Google search. There's SpyFu, which is a great resource that researches keywords and ad words of your competitors. Google Trends, Google Alerts. Google Alerts is great because every time there's like a news article or a news, you know, something, 
that pops up on Google, you get an email straight to you saying what it's all about. So that way you can kind of keep tabs on what they're doing, right? So that's those are some great things that you can do in trying to figure out what the competition is doing. Also, go on social media, see what they're doing. Follow them on Twitter, follow them on LinkedIn. Look, I know it sounds like stalking. I get it. But this is the kind of stalking that's legal. Okay, you can follow your competition on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram or wherever the case may be. Right. And you want to look at, you know, some of the things that they're posting. You want to think about that they're posting things about sales and they have like a customer of the week or an employee of the week. And so you can get a lot of good intel and details from following your competition on social media. Another thing you can do, and this might be the best one, ask your customers. Ask your customers why they come to you and instead of them or ask, you know, or maybe they'll tell you, like, look, I only come to you sometimes and I go to them most of the time. It's just that my favorite person wasn't there today. So I started to come to you. Ask them why that is. Ask them, like, what you can what can you do to improve? Ask them or maybe not what you can do to improve. But what's the, the key one to two points that makes them go to their your competition before they come to you? Think about that, Startup Nation. That That's some powerful stuff because asking your customer, like, our customers are going to be honest with you. They will, right? Because, like, they're in no, they, they are in no position to make you feel better about yourself as an entrepreneur and as a business. So ask your customers next time they come in the door, like, hey, hey, you know, what makes you come to us? What are some things that we can do to improve and things of that nature? Also, Startup Nation, think about attending a conference. We at OWLS attend conferences all the time right and a lot of times they kind of group you know uh, not all the time but a lot of times they try to group certain uh type of uh education consulting firms or education firms kind of lumped together like you'll have all the education consulting firms in one place you have all the education staff agencies all clustered in one place and so on and so on and so on. And so attending a conference can give you actionable intel. You can kind of listen to what they're doing at the next table over. You can kind of listen and look at their table to kind of see what kind of marketing material that they brought, what kind of marketing uh, tactics that they're using, what kind of marketing gimmicks, if you will, that they're using. And it's a great way to figure out you know, you know what you may need to work on, what you may need to improve, what you may want to even just add to the arsenal of trying to get that customer to your table and ultimately paying an invoice with your name on it. Also, check in with your suppliers. A lot of times when you're in competition with people that's you know in direct competition with you, they're probably you're all probably using the same suppliers. Like if you serve food or whatever the case may be and your competition serves food or whatever the case may be, maybe both of y'all are going through Aramark or someplace or whatever, right? Now, granted, you know, you can't ask the supplier like direct questions, but you want to ask them like, hey, for the month of April, how many units of potatoes are being purchased, you know, by everybody that, that you deal with? How many units of lettuce is being purchased with everybody you deal with? You want to kind of ask those indirect questions and then make some logical guesses based on the answer that answers that they're giving you, right? And so another thing you want to do is hire the competition or hire somebody who's from the competition. Look, you may think this is like, you know, some crazy stuff, but like, look, Walmart, Amazon, Apple, Google, they do it all the time. All the big boys hire people from the competition all the time. For like one of the 
the major ones I can think of off the top of my head is Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer is the one who came up with uh, uh, Gmail. And I believe Google Maps, don't quote me on that, but she came up with like these big cool things, you know, at Google and she got the CEO job at Yahoo. I mean, come on, like these things happen all the time. Like Jeff Bezos hires people from Walmart all the time and, you know, and because they're both in retail. Apple hires people from from uh, Google all the time. Elon Musk hires people from like Ford and, and Honda and Toyota all the time the time because the thing is they, they have like the inner workings of the competition they know what they got going on currently they know what's you know coming down the pipeline they know some of the things that they know they need to work on you know and, and don't get me wrong like a lot of times you're gonna have like non-disclosures agreements you know is that any other but at the same time like they still are an asset okay so be mindful of that, you know, that, you know, you may want to do that in trying to figure out what the competition is doing. Or, you know, if you daddy deep pockets, your business is doing well, hell, try to buy them out. That's also an option, right? So, you know, you, know, and you get to pick up their processes and not only pick up their process, but you also pick up their book of business, right? So now you were thinking about trying to expand and just impede on their marketplace. But if you just buy them out, then presto changeo. You're already in those marketplaces they were in because now that's part of your network. So think about that as well. If you're for my uh, daddy deep pocket or mama deep pocket startup nation listeners out there, because I don't discriminate. But at the same time, startup nation also watch who you're hiring, because maybe, you know, you could be hiring a, a spy for your organization. So be mindful of that. It's not always one of those situations where, you know, everything is always on the up and up on your side. Right. Another thing you can do, Startup Nation, is conduct a survey. Like, look, we give out surveys all the time. Every time we do a training, every time we do like a curriculum that we sell, you know, like, you know, after a while, we send a, a survey to see how it worked, how it worked in the classroom, how the engagement with the students were. You no, know, that really is a great way to get customer feedback and client feedback. And you can do this, you know, you can do this in paper form, you do this in PDF. Hell, there's Google Forms. I know many of organizations who do Google Forms for surveys, form intake, information capturing, or whatever the case may be. So try considering a survey with your customers and also your employees as well, because they're just as important. And last but not least, you know, maybe you call them up on the phone. Now look, okay, now if you say, hey, I'm Joe from Joe and Joe Construction, and you call another construction company about they about their processes. You know what's gonna happen, Startup Nation. They're not gonna give you no information, okay? But if you were to have you know somebody else call or you call, you know, and they don't know your voice, then you know you can probably get some great intel, right? You know, look, I know all this sounds clandestine and sneaky, but look, you're an entrepreneur. You're a business owner. It is a dog eat dog world. And unless it's illegal, it's fair game. So get it out of your head. If you're listening to this startup nation, get it out of your head. I like, look, I want to do things fair. I want to do things right. And I get it right. Like I, I, I get it. You don't want to be sneaky and shady and shisey and all of the above. Right. But at the same time, we're out here to compete. We're out here to win. We're out here for our business to be profitable. We're out here for our business to scale. We're out here, more importantly, for our business to last a very long time. So outside of, you know, doing anything illegal, 
everything is fair game okay so be mindful of that startup nation and the last thing startup nation so before we cut out for this episode is that we want to talk about some of the ways you can pull ahead of your competitors in business all right there's a lot of different ways but i want to point out a few things first and foremost you want to position your strengths and weaknesses we talked about this with the swallow analysis right you want to have a firm grasp on what you do well and what you do not well and juxtapose that to your competition if you do customer service wrong and your customer and your competition is doing customer service right you know we need to make that part up if we're doing our distribution right and your competition is doing distribution wrong, you know you need to not only you know maintain that part of the business, but also kind of scale it responsibly, of course, to make sure you bury your competition into the ground. Another thing that's important, Startup Nation, is to stay lean. We at Owls, we do a lot of things that we kind of start up in our comp, you know, in our business from teaching with Owls to the startup life to a myriad of other initiatives that we have in our company. But at the same time, like every single thing, as much as humanly possible, is meant to kind of stand on its own. For starters, with the startup life, this podcast, every time I post an episode and I post it up there, it's out there. It, it, I don't have to do any more work on it. It's evergreen, as some people say. It's out there for your you know, on-demand pleasure. Okay. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, it can stand on its own. It generates revenue on its own. I don't have to I don't have to lift a finger because it's already there. Now, I do have to keep recording new episodes, right? But it's already there. Our curriculums that we write, true enough, we have them, we have them digitally, right? And we put them on the e-commerce store. Once that curriculum is made or lesson plan is made or that resource is made, we post it on the re- on the website post in our in our multiple e-commerce sites that we use for our curriculum and that's it i don't have to lift a, lift a finger and so that allows us to have these initiatives that where we have to do a lot of upfront startup cost and time and whatever the case may be but in the end of the day i don't have to keep doing it like i don't have to go a re- replenish paper because it's digital Right? I don't have to go and do that. Like it's already done. And so that's that's one of the things that we do to stay lean. And when you do that in your business, that puts you in a place of you know of, of that can put you in a place of a competitive advantage. When you post something in your e-commerce store, or if you post something online, or whatever case may be, it's already there. Or if you put yourself in a situation where you know you don't hire too many people, you know, you know more people than you need, or you don't take on more. Uh, customers than you need, you're staying lean, right? And you're staying profitable and you're staying manageable, right? You only need to scale and manage when the cost is justified. Just because, you know, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, who want to just have people, as they say in office space, under them, right? And that's a bad look because you still got to pay those people who are under you, right? And so if they're not like justifying their wages, like, you know, that that's a bad look and you're not being lean. If, if you're paying somebody $8 an hour and they're only producing $9 an hour, you know, in revenue, which means they're only producing $1 in profit, like that's a bad look. Like that's, that's not, that that's not worth it for you. So be mindful of that automation. Be mindful to be as lean as possible. You don't want to be all bloated. Like that's like like that's not a good look for you, Startup Nation. Also, Startup Nation, you know, uh, and this kind of plays into the being lean part. 
go after large clients. Like we talked a little bit earlier about like not going after small fried nickel and diamond clients. Not, don't get me wrong. I am not down in those clients. I'm not saying those clients aren't worth it. Every client is worth it. Okay. But what I am saying is that when you get like a large client where you get like a government contract or like a big time client that, you know, let's say you sell bread and, you know, and instead of like just having your bread in the retail stores, you sell your bread to like restaurants like my friend Daniel Watson does, uh, you know, with Beneva Mayweather Foods. Uh, if you, you know, s- sell bread, you know, to those large clients like that, that client is, is going to have a high dollar price point for you. They're going to have a lot of revenue for you from that one client. Right. And so that's that plays a part into the staying lean process, if you will. And lastly, Startup Nation, and I can't stress this enough. You have to know your numbers. Now, granted, whatever business you're in, you know, there's different numbers that you need to be, you know, adhere to more than others. Right. But there's a few like your balance sheet. You need to know what's on your balance sheet, your profit loss statement. You need to know that one. You, you need to know those. You need to know things like your your cogs, your cost of goods for, you know, your cost of goods sold, right? Like how much it costs you to make, you know, uh, said item or produce said service if you have like employees or whatever, right? You need to know what your profit margins are. That's another number that you need to know. And all of this is not just for the purpose of investors, you know, because I know a lot of times you watch Shark Tank or the profit, you know, that's why you see why people need to know their numbers. But you need to know them because you need to know your business in and out. It's your business. It's your baby. Right. So you need to know those things. Other numbers that you may want to know about is CPA, cost of per acquisition. You know, this is just cost every time you acquire a new customer or client. Break even analysis, how much you have to make with each product um, in order to, you know, break even. And then anything below that is in the is in the red. Anything above that is profit, which, you know, we say in the black, those are accounting terms. Uh, you know, ROI, return on investment on not just, you know, your product, but also your marketing campaigns as well. You need to understand that if if you're going to do mail marketing and digital marketing, you know, and you find out that even though you thought digital marketing was going to work, but mail marketing has worked best with a whale, you need to know, under, you know, you need to quantify what that number is. So that way you can know like, okay, I need to put more, I need to invest more into the mailing part of my marketing than the digital part. So, you know, these are just some of the numbers that you need to think about. Like I said, it varies, you know, from, from business to business, what numbers are probably more important than others. But for the most part, Balance sheet, profit and loss statement, break even analysis. Those are pretty standard and universal no matter what business that you're in. So here's my final take. Look, competition can be fierce. Competition can be really tough. And I know a lot of times we want to shy away from it. But it ain't the boogeyman. It ain't it ain't, you know, that creepy crawly monster that's under your bed. All you know, even the creepy crawly monster on your bed can be defeated. You just need to know how to defeat it. And so that's why we talked about some of the things that we talked about today. We talked about why competition is important. We talked about SWOT analysis. We talked about knowing your numbers, you know, in that very last segment. And we talked about things you can do to research the competition. These are some of the things that you need to know and do in order to beat them. Because the thing is, they're going for blood. They're going to, they're they're coming for you. We talk about not just the existing competition, but the potential competition that's on the horizon. 
They are coming for you, Stardom Nation, and you need to be prepared for them. These are some of the ways that you can prepare for them. And I believe if you follow these steps, you will be able to beat your competition. So that's going to do it for today's episode of The Startup Life. I hope you got great value on how to beat your competition. Like I said, competition is fierce. Competition is long. Competition is tough. But I believe that, you know, look, you anybody can be defeated, Startup Nation. You just need to know where the pain points are. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you're there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on iTunes and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.